I am the way, the truth, the light. There is not anyone who shall to God the Father come except by me the Son. And verse 7 adds, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, have you ever played hide-and-seek? Children here, you've all played hide-and-seek at some time. Now imagine if you were in a dark basement. Hide-and-seek in the dark is actually the best. But if you play hide-and-seek in the dark basement at night and there's one person holding the only lamp and then she said she was going to leave to go to another place to get things ready for you and that you would be able to follow her afterwards. So here you are in the dark basement, somebody there holding the light telling you this, and she tells you, I'm going to come back and get you, but you know how to get there. Well, the questions that would pop into your mind would be similar to the disciples' questions around our text in the passage we read today. Where are you going? We don't know where you're going. How can we, how can we know the way there? And how could we even find the way if we knew it while we're in the darkness here if the light is, is gone? You need more instructions to understand what that girl with the lamp who's leaving, you think she's leaving, what she's talking about. Now Jesus was not just playing a game of hide and seek. But he did tell his disciples, in a little while he was going to a place where they could not come. And so his disciples started asking similar questions to try and understand what they could expect in the coming days. Well, when we read the passage today, we know what Jesus was talking about. We know that he was talking about how God would glorify him in his death and his resurrection and his ascension. We know that, but the disciples didn't know that. And so wondering why they would be known as Jesus' disciples by their love, like Jesus says in verses 34 to 35 of chapter 13, they're like wondering why they would be known by their love rather than being known as disciples because they were following him here on the earth, then Peter asks a question in the mind of everyone. He says, where are you going? What are you, what are you talking about? And Peter was convinced that he himself was ready to die for Jesus. And he didn't know what, what Jesus, what made Jesus think that Peter would not follow him. And then we could see the irony of Jesus' answer to Peter when he asks in verse 38 of chapter 13, he says, will you, you, Peter, lay down your life for me? And these words explain the whole story. Jesus was telling his disciples that they couldn't follow him because he was that one man who would die for the people of God. He was that seed that needed to die in order to bring forth much fruit. And his disciples would not be there to support him. They would abandon him. That's the context here. And then John 14, verse 1, 
are words of comfort for disciples who abandon the Lord. And he spoke these words of comfort to disciples who would deny him shortly afterward. Disciples who were too proud to wash his feet. And his words of comfort in John 14 are directed to all people who, who see their sinful weakness. The sinful weakness of their own hearts. Sometimes we're even shocked. We're horrified. How can I, why did I do that? How, how could I be so sinful? Will God ever take me back? Peter had to face that before he even faced that, that realization of who he was. He could enter that with the words of our Lord Jesus, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He tells sinners who are troubled by their own weakness, who are troubled by their lack of understanding, troubled by fear, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And this is the gospel message for this morning. Our Lord Jesus is the way to the Father, the truth, and the life. If you look in Jesus, at Jesus' words in John 14, verses 1 to 4, you can see that he answers all the questions that his disciples asked him. He made it clear that he was not abandoning them at all, that he was actually eager to spend all eternity with those who believe in him. He, he really wanted the disciples to see his eagerness to be with them eternally. And so he says, he explains, he says, I am going to my father's house to prepare a place for you. It's clear that Jesus is not talking about a place on earth like the temple, but he is talking about his ascension into heaven. And he explains that his father's house is a place where there are many dwelling places. And we get the picture of separate apartments or, or suites, and that's better than translating, translating it as many mansions, which would refer to many separate homes. It's my father's house, and in that house there are many dwelling places. And then he tells them that once he had made everything in the heavenly apartments ready for his disciples, then he would come back and bring them to himself so that he, where he is, they might be also. And you can imagine the picture here of, of your friend who meets you at the, the front door of his house, is excited to see you, and says, just hang on a minute while I go up and get your room ready. Just wait until I, I come, and, come and get you back. So Jesus told his disciples all these things so that they would not be troubled about the things that were to happen, that they would live with the, the big perspective even when they were shaken in their faith. He was doing everything for them. And they only had to believe in God and believe also in him. And the glorious gospel summarized there in verse 4 when Jesus looks and says, and you know the way to where I am going. Well, Thomas did not immediately understand what Jesus was saying. Jesus had just told Peter that he was going away. 
and that they could only follow him afterwards. And so to Thomas, it sounded as if Jesus, the light, would leave them in the darkness and go someplace that only he had access to. And although Jesus said he would come again and take them to himself, at the same time he said, you guys, you know the way. Apparently, the way was open before them, and all that they had to do was walk on it. But Thomas questioned that. The disciples didn't even know where Jesus was going in the next few hours. How could they find the way to, to, to him in heaven if he was not there to, to guide them? Thomas was aware of his own weaknesses. He was afraid of having to try to find his own way into heaven by his own strength. He was a fisherman, not a theologian. How could he discover the right religion to bring him to heaven? How could he know whether the instruction of the Jewish leaders was trustworthy to help him and show him the way to heaven if Jesus wasn't there to help him understand? He says, how can we know the way? And then Jesus' answer to Thomas is marvelous in its simplicity. So easy to remember. Every child here can remember it. He said, I am the way. I think every child should memorize that. Jesus said, I am the way. And then he applies that answer to all Christians in the world when he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. And if you look at that statement closely, you see some earth-shattering declarations for, for anyone who wants to spend eternity with God the Father in heaven in any place in the world and at any time in history. Jesus says, I am the way. The way is a person. The way to the Father is not a trail that we have to walk on, but the way is a person named Jesus Christ who holds the way open for those who believe in him. And then he says, I am the way. I am the only way. No person other than Jesus can be the way. No one else is able to do what our Lord Jesus did when he opened the way into his Father's house by his perfect sacrifice on the cross. That's why he told Peter, you cannot follow until afterwards. No other mediator is an innocent and perfectly righteous person like the Father's divine, loving Son. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father. And since the Father only opens the door to his Son, and for those whom his Son ushers in, you could picture that of being led into somebody's house again. The father said, my son, you may come in, and, and everybody who belongs to you may come in as well. You might have similar rules in your own house. 
There is no way into the Father's house outside of Jesus Christ. Jesus declares once and for all, all religions do not end up in the same place. Jesus presents himself as the only connection between your life on the earth and your apartment in heaven. And then he says, accept through me. And when he means, with this he means, accept by my doing. Not just at a gate and then you have to make your way through it. Jesus is the one who is, is bringing, who is, is carrying. Except through me doesn't mean that he just sets you on a path so that you can walk into heaven on your own strength. But he is saying that the minute you are united to him by true faith, and we saw that last week when, when young people said, I am united to him by true faith. That, that profession, that understanding, that faith in Jesus Christ, the minute that happens, your place is guaranteed because Christ does everything for those who believe in him. Knowing Jesus Christ is equal to knowing the way to the Father because Jesus is the way. And brothers and sisters, by God's grace, as we look at our lives, we say, well, I, I believe in Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, then you're in the right place. That fills our hearts with joy. We know the way. His name is Jesus. He is my Lord. And Jesus answers Thomas' question already. It's given. He says, I am the way. Thomas said, how do we know the way? Jesus says, I am the way. And then after that primary emphasis of John 14, verse 6, then our Lord Jesus in his grace, he continues to describe himself by announcing that he is the truth. Once again, Jesus makes it clear that the truth is not just an idea or a way of thinking, but the truth is embodied in a person named Jesus Christ. God is truth. God's being, his will, the law, and his work can be known on earth through his son, Jesus Christ, who was at that time walking among the Jews. Jesus said this when he tells his disciples, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. The truth can be seen in a person because God is personal. If you look at John 1, verse 14 and 17 to 18, I'll read it. The glory of God was made visible when, and here comes the quotation, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Jesus Christ can say that he is the truth because he and the Father were one. 
He is God Almighty who took on human flesh and he was seen by men. And so when Philip asks for more, Philip asked for more than what Jesus had just said, more than what he already had in Jesus Christ. Well, listen to the rebuke and the encouragement of Jesus Christ. It's so, so comforting. Jesus asked Philip what more, what more he could want. What was Philip looking for? Was he looking for a theophany, some, some majestic, grand revelation of, of, of the heavenly Father that would cut his heart and bring him to his knees in fear like the patriarchs had or like Moses had or, or Daniel had? Is that what Philip wanted to see as the experience of knowing the Father? And that's what we're often seeking, isn't it? The big emotional cutting moment when we see the Father as if in a vision. But Jesus did not leave anyone in the darkness without a light. He did not leave anyone in the dark basement. But he left his light with his people. And he even says that when he prayed to his Father in John 17, he said, sanctify them in the truth. You know how it ends? He said, your word is truth. And the light remains with us. The scriptures reveal the truth of who the Father is. And they show us that his glory is not ordinarily seen in majestic revelations of the Father with shining light on earth. But the glory of the Father is seen in the self-sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. When Philip asked to see the Father, Jesus pointed to himself. And he said, Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? That's verses 9 and 10. Jesus told his disciples that when they see these works in his life, they could know that it is the Father who dwells in him who is doing the works. Maybe you're already thinking where this is, can go. The Father can be seen in the works of Christian lifestyle. I can show the glory of the Father to those around me too. The Lord Jesus explains, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. A person can know the Father through his Son who washed his disciples' feet who cared for the sick, who preached the truth with the words that he received from his Father to speak. That is what the triune God is like. That is what the truth looks like. That is what the truth acts like. The truth is not some unattainable theological concept that has no bearing on our religious lives but Jesus Christ is the truth. And when we are joined to him by true faith, it changes what our lives look like. Since we believe in Jesus Christ, we know the Father. We can walk in his truth as he walks beside us. We'll sing about that in Psalm 5, stanza 5. And so Jesus Christ tells the church, 
that he is the truth. He is the only one who can reveal the truth. God cannot be known. Life cannot be understood. Peace cannot be found outside the truth who is Jesus Christ. And the gospel message for us who believe in him is that although this life may be difficult, and although we are called to face many challenging situations, we can know with confidence that when we are in Christ, we are living in the truth, which is how God made us to live. Christ Jesus, through his Spirit, restores believers to the flow of God's will, and he saves them from swimming upstream against the current in rebellion and sin and misery. As Ecclesiastes shows us, when people try to, to, to live outside the truth of the Father and of the Son, outside of his word, outside of his law, what, what do they find out about their lives? It's, it's meaningless. They find out that everything outside of Jesus Christ is just a false illusion that does not bring satisfaction. And so when Jesus calls himself the truth, he is making the claim, he is teaching, he is revealing that anything in the realm of not Jesus is a lie. There cannot be more than one truth. The truth will always stand out in our society. We can point to the truth. We can teach our children, this is the way to live, and that is not the way to live. And in the kingdom of God, you know what that truth looks like. Jesus has shown us true greatness is humble service. True love is self-sacrificial. The true purpose of work and marriage and worship. Well, our Lord Jesus revealed it. it's to glorify God, our creator. True judgments about our value and our worth can only come from the Father in heaven. True life is eternal service to our Lord Jesus Christ in fellowship with our Father in heaven. That's how our Lord Jesus comforts his disciples. He says, he is the life. He tells the world that life is found in a person and that there is no life outside of him. And so when they're worried about maybe they messed up too much now, Peter would face that situation. He went outside, he wept bitterly. He denied Jesus Christ three times. This must be too much. And, and Jesus' comforting words is, Peter, I am the life. It's not your own works. Our good works are not good enough to earn our way into heaven. Our sins are not powerful enough to hinder our way to heaven. In John 5, verse 26, the Lord Jesus explains that as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to also have life in himself. When Jesus says he is the life, he means more than, than just that he is alive, like the rest of mankind would say. 
But Jesus tells Martha, you know those words he tells her, that he is the resurrection and the life. John 5, he says he has a power to call the dead from their tombs. That's what he means when he says that he is the life. He is true God and eternal life. 1 John 5, verse 20. He created life on the earth. He gives life to the dead. And when you are joined to him by true faith, you have eternal life that encompasses and goes beyond the few years that are given us to live here on the earth. When believers talk about their life in Christ, they are talking about a lot more than what we do in, between the, year, in the years between conception and death. And since a lot of people are conceived in the womb and live on the earth without knowing Jesus Christ, and these same people we read in John 5, verse 26, they will be resurrected from the dead to judgment. It is clear that Jesus defines life as peaceful fellowship with his Father, whether here on the earth or in his house later on. Outside of Christ, outside of Christ, it is possible to breathe, possible to carry out your activities, but our Lord tells us that life without him is an incomplete and unfulfilled existence under the weight of God's wrath. Thomas and those who were wondering if there are different ways to God, they needed to be aware that any other attempts to reach satisfaction and peace outside of simple faith in Jesus Christ will only result in miserable death. Jesus reveals to the church, to his people, to you, brothers and sisters, that you have life in him and have it abundantly. In John 5, verse 24, our Lord Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Jesus does not point us to a pathway that we have to walk in to get to God. He calls you to himself. The minute you believe in Jesus Christ, you have life because you are in the life who is Jesus Christ. Are you a visitor today, someone still seeking for that life and that peace and that satisfaction? Are you someone who, who does not know Jesus Christ as Savior? The call of our text is clear. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in him and you will be saved because he is the life. The gospel I proclaim to you today is that all who believe in Jesus Christ, those who love him and dedicate their lives in service to him, you are already in the way, the truth, and the life. That's a joyful announcement. It's an announcement of who you are already in Christ. And now we live like that. 
This is what life is all about. Right here, what we're seeing, the church gathered. The church going out into the world. The office bearers in their care. Christian love to one another. Singing the praises of our God. Living and dying in the faith. Serving the Lord forever in the way, the truth, and the life. It's not always easy. Jesus told Peter he would follow afterward. Well, Peter, for Peter, that meant he would, he would be martyred, killed for his faith. He had that privilege. As we entrust ourselves in faith to Jesus Christ today, we can know that we are those guests in the entrance of our Heavenly Father's house. Told to wait a minute while the rooms are being prepared and our Lord Jesus is coming back to, to get us. We're not like children in a dark basement wondering where the light bearer has gone or how to find our way. But we know that Jesus Christ is preparing our eternal dwelling and we are in him by faith. We know the way to the Father. We call the truth our Lord. We share an eternal life. And his name is Jesus Christ. May his glory be evident in our lives. The praise of our lips, may it be eternal. Amen.